Good morning. Welcome to Livingstone Calvary Chapel. Glad that you guys are here with us this morning. I love the reminder of that last song. The trumpet will sound, right? And we'll ascend. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Uh, a couple of announcements for you this morning. Uh, the Pregnancy Center, who we sponsor as a, one of our missionary uh, local missionar- missionaries here in town, they're getting to do they're getting ready to do their annual uh, walk for life. It's a their their big fundraiser. Well, they have a couple. They have the golf tournament as well, but they have a walk for life and. Um, uh, there's these pledge sheets that are outside on the information counter where the missionary table is at, right on the right-hand side, uh, a pledge uh, sheet and um, also any kind of questions. And um, as you guys know, they're, con- they're transitioning to um, a, like a, a semi-medical equipment where they can, medical center where they can do um, ultrasounds for, for young mothers who are pregnant. Uh, to help them in their decision to keep their baby. And so they've got a new facility at 614 Yale Place. God's really blessed them in that. Uh, it's been really exciting to walk with them through that. Uh, but they're going to, usually they do the, the uh, walk for life down at Veterans Park, but this year they're going to do it in the neighborhood around their uh, new, new facility. So uh, if you're interested in that and wanting to help support the Pregnancy Center, um, we have the flyers and all the information for that. Um, also, this morning, uh, Young Life is here. I don't know if you guys saw the table. Uh, Sonny Short and um, Isaac Griffin are here. Uh, they're leaders for Young Life. Uh, Isaac's the area director. And they're going to be fundraising for their um, youth camp that's coming up. I think the youth camp's on the 16th of June, something like that. It's a week-long Young, young Life camp, and um, it's, they're inviting these kids that they've been uh, building relationships with all year. Um, there, there was challenges in trying to fundraise this year for sending kids to camp because of some COVID restrictions, so we didn't to do the daddy-daughter dance this year. Um, so we invited them to come sell burritos. They were at E-Free Church last week selling burritos there, and um, uh, you just let this land wherever it wants. I heard E-Free um, bought $1,600 worth of burritos. Seems like a little amount of money. I don't know. So uh, there might be a challenge in that I had somewhere. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, burritos are for sale. There, so please support Young Life. There's, I think there are three, one for three and two for five. Don't, don't, correct, don't hold me to that. Um, Isaac knows the price out there. But, um, and he has the, the flyers. Some of the Young Life kids will be here in between services. Uh, you get to meet with them, some of the kids who will be going to camp. So I guess they have to volunteer and serve in order. We just don't give them the scholarship. They, they have their things they have to do throughout the year with Young Life to help earn that scholarship. So one of them that will be here selling burritos and visiting with you guys. So um, there you have it. On Sunday, June 6th. Did you guys see the tent when you came in? Yeah, the big blue and white circus tent. Yeah. <laughs> So the, we got that set up where we got the amphitheater all put together. The sunshades are up. Uh, we, my daughter got married yesterday, so praise the Lord here. Um, we, yeah, we had, the, we had the wedding outside, so Brandon got to run a test run through the sound equipment for the wedding yesterday. 
uh, there's only a few things that we have to adjust, so our worship team will be able to lead us in worship out there. But we're looking forward to that. And don't forget, SoCo Chicken, a local food vendor, is going to be setting up their food truck so that after service we'll be able to eat and visit and hang out. Uh, we'll set up tables and chairs, and we want you guys to stick around and, and fellowship. So June 6th, Sunday services through the summer, outside beginning on the 6th, and services will be at 9.30, so mark your calendar for that. All right, this morning we're going to be in Psalm 28. If you want to open your Bible to Psalm 28, uh, Curtis, if you hear me and you're in the fellowship hall, will you bring me up a glass of water, please? I can tell you right now that I'm going to need something to drink, and I didn't realize it. So in this Psalm, Psalm 28, we're going to be talking about my two most favorite things, waiting and patience. Yours too? Waiting and patient, patiently waiting and waiting on the Lord, especially in relationship to prayer. I mean, we ended, we ended the psalm last week. Um, David talks about waiting on the Lord, and I think this psalm is really a continuation of that in a lot of ways as David speaks to some things. But um, let's read Psalm 28 and pray, and then we'll get into our study. Thanks, Curtis. Apologize for that. All right, Psalm 28. David writes, To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me. You ever feel like that sometimes? Like you've been praying to the Lord, and it's like, he's not talking. I'm not hearing. Something's going on. And David, I think David was in that spot. He's crying out to the Lord. He is. He speaks to David, he, speaks, he cries out to God saying, you're my rock. Um, we all can understand the illustration there. We'll talk about it a little bit um, um, where he speaks about the Lord being place, a secure place, a fortress, a defense, right? Uh, he says, I will cry, O Lord, my rock. But he also says, don't be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me, I'll become like those who go down to the pit. So we hear some desperation in his words here and maybe a little bit of the sense of the severity uh, or, or, or the great need that David had at this moment as he is crying out to God. He says, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you when I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Verse 3, do not take me away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity who spread or speak peace to their neighbors, but evil is in their hearts. I hate that, that kind of deception, that kind of that trickery. And if you've ever been um, the victim of that, uh, you know how bad that feels when someone's um, deceived you and taken advantage of you. And David describes these men like that. And he goes on in verse 4 and he says, Give them according to their deed and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them according to the work of their hands. Render to them what they deserve, because they do not regard the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. He will destroy them and not build them up. Verse 6, David says, Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices with him. With with my song, and I will praise him. Before I read the last two verses, I want you to meditate on verses five to six a little bit and think about that, that there's really no transition. David goes instantly from, from this place of crying out to the God 
to, to hear him as if the Lord is being silent to him. He's not getting his answer. David, David is desperately calling out to God and speaking about these men who are coming after him, the wicked men and the severity of the situation that he is. And then with really out any transition, David immediately goes into this place of praise in verse 6 where he said, blessed be the Lord. There's really no, there's a gap there. There's something missing there. It appears anyway, uh, as we're not really told about what happened in between the the, the place where David was um, wanting God to speak, speaking about the, the desperate situation, and then blessing the Lord and speaking of the Lord in verse 6 of, of hearing him. And what I would suggest to you and something to think on is, is, is that what really has happened between verses 5 and 6 is faith. Faith is entered in at this point in David's life, in this moment, in this situation. And so he says, because of that, verse 7 again, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices greatly and with my song I will praise him. He says in verse 8, the Lord is their strength and he is the saving refuge of his anointed. And David's looking on the greater sense of of all the, the Hebrew people. Um, and so in verse 9, save your people and bless your inheritance, shepherd them, and also bear them up forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day that you've given us to be here, to enjoy the life that you've um, purchased for us with your own blood, forgiving our sins. So Lord, our hope is in you, and we thank you, God, for this life that you've, that you've, that you've purchased for us, that you've redeemed for us. And Lord, we ask God that you would be glorified in this place or in our hearts and minds today as we submit to you. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us through your word by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would give us encouragement and hope in you. Lord, that we would um, see the path that you've put us on, Lord, to walk, and we would walk in, in your strength, Lord, with joy and peace, no matter, um, we're, no matter if we're, our path takes us to the hill or to the valley or anywhere in between. Lord, uh, and as we look around at what's going on in our world today, I think about the um, things that are going on in Israel. Um, and Lord, how a lot of that points to uh, end times prophecy. Uh, Lord, it's, it's, it's hard not to um, think about um, your return. And knowing that it's near. We believe, Lord, that it's imminent. And we also, Lord, um, pray that it's near. In the meantime, we pray for the peace of Israel. We ask you to protect your people. God, that you would watch over us here in the United States as well. And Lord, in the areas that um, we have drifted so far away from you as a country and as a nation, we ask God that we would repent. We pray for repentance and revival and restoration. Lord, that you would continue to do work of saving the people who are around us until the day that you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so... I think it's evident, especially after some of the observations that I made as we were reading along, but you can probably tell that this psalm is a, a prayer, it is a prayer, and David is praying to God in a time of difficulty, and much like we would do in a time of difficulty, David, with his own words, says, I cry out to the Lord, so he cries out to God for help, and then in faith, between verses 5 and 6, I think that's where it's inserted in this particular psalm, and when we began the psalms, I spoke to you and said that there's always a moment where faith enters in, where we see the, 
the need or the desperation uh, or, or, or something going on in the individual's life who wrote the psalm. They, 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 they openly bear their hearts, their thoughts, their feelings, their thoughts, their, their circumstances, and, and then, boom, faith enters in and, and things change. And, and, and I believe that's here in verses 5 and 6 between there. And even though we don't know what the events um, were that caused the problems, David was facing, we know from David's words, if you kind of just look at the summation of it, he refers to them as wicked people, that it's at the hands of wicked people, workers of iniquity. Now think about that. We're all sinners. We all uh, have iniquity, but I mean, these guys are in the business of iniquity. They wake up in the morning and they put in their nine to five, right? And maybe they put in a little overtime. You know, they're workers of iniquity. That's what they see their job at. And it's kind of um, humorous in one sense that David uses this kind of language. And when you, you think about that a little bit, it kind of maybe brings a smile to your face and how David perceived them. And maybe they were like that, um, that they were, just, they were just about causing harm, about sinning against God. And, and ultimately, he, he concludes here as he gives us this description that they were deceptive people who spoke peace to their neighbors, but all the while, uh, they had these evil intentions in their hearts. I don't believe there's any point to speculate, as we have done in some, where there's some indications on um, um, who the people may be or what the events were that were being written about here, but um, you don't have anything like that in this psalm. No history, no, no, nothing in the inscription, nothing within the psalm about who these wicked people might be, and uh, or, 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 or or the things specifically that may have been taking place in regards to some kind of historical in, uh, context. Um, furthermore, we we not knowing these things as we read this psalm, it, it, it doesn't in any way prevent or hinder us from understanding that this psalm is teaching us some important lessons about you know, waiting on the Lord, some important uh, lessons specifically in that, in that, in that, in that realm of waiting, but, but praying and praying with patience, um, prayer and patience. Uh, nor does not knowing who, wrote, or, or who David was writing about or the events that, that were leading up to this or that he was detailing doesn't prevent us from seeing a few aspects of the human heart that's being revealed. And I want to point them out really quick. So in verse 1, and it's the same heart that's in all of us. It's the reason we need a Savior. But David speaks in verse 3 about the evil heart. And then twice in verse 7, he speaks about a trusting heart and then a rejoicing heart. And there's a contrast here for us in, in seeing, you know, checking our own heart and going, where are we at in our lives? Are we walking around with the evil things in our heart, not submitted to the Lord, and having the Lord cleanse us and purify us through our word? Or are we the ones who have a trusting heart, and ultimately a, a trusting heart leads to the heart that rejoices in the Lord, right? We're singing praise. We're filled with joy. And, and as I spoke a little bit as we began about Psalm 27. If you want to look back to Psalm 27 briefly on the next on the previous page, we see that David closes with this admonition, right, for us to wait on the Lord, saying in 27 verse 14, wait on the Lord and, and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And I point this out in light of this lesson now in Psalm 28 uh, on prayer and patience, uh, that's being taught to us because there's a difference, guys. There's a difference, as you well know, between waiting and patiently waiting. 
right? There's a difference between waiting and patiently waiting. And we can be waiting on the Lord and like David speaking, but we could be there with our arms crossed and our foot tapping. Lord, hurry up. Come on now. And we can be filled with anxiety and frustration and fear and all these things that, that really makes the waiting on the Lord an unfruitful um, uh, endeavor in our lives. And um, it really can cause us and move us to do things and say things that we're later, later going to regret. And that's true even in, in life today. You know, if you're trying to get through some of the roundabouts in our town uh, or other traffic situations during this time of year or you're waiting at the stoplight sometimes two or three times to get through it, you know there's a difference between waiting and waiting patiently. So um, as we, we, we think about this, what I want to point out is that being patient is when we are content in Jesus while we are waiting. Remember, the Bible says that contentment with godliness is great gain. And so waiting or patient is waiting patiently is when we're content, first of all, in Jesus while we're waiting. It means that as times go by, our anxiety is not rising. And if you feel yourself getting anxious as you're waiting on the Lord, it's probably because there's no patience being exercised. And to be patient means we're trusting in God's timing, okay? Because sometimes God's silence isn't, as, our, as we perceive him being silent, is really an issue of God's timing in answering our prayer, right? And so when, it, when we are when we're not being patient in our waiting, it's because we have expectations often on um, how, not only how God should operate, but when God should operate. And so when we're trusting in God's timing, we're, we're, we're being patient. We're, we're submitting ourselves in that moment, in those situations, to God's will. Submitting to God's will. Rather than, I'll say, than banging on the doors that we desperately want God to open. You know, I, I, I've heard people say, well, maybe there's a crack and I'll, I'll bang it on a little bit and see what happens. You know? When God makes a door open, it says he opens it so that no man can shut it. And, and, and there's a difference between banging on the doors that we want open and letting God open the doors that he wants us to walk through. So submitting to God's will. So if you look back to verse 1 through 5, I'm not going to read it all again. I want to read the first two verses and then, and then we'll go through it. But to know, David says this, to you I will cry, O Lord my rock, right? He says, don't be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you, when I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. And as you well know, patience is a key component of prayer, right? Patience is a key component of prayer. And I would suspect that we've all experienced times when we prayed to God and our prayers have not been answered in the time frame that we've wanted or in a way that we've expected God to answer us. And while we were waiting on God to answer us, we had to exercise patience and depending, depending on uh, why we had called out to God and what it was that we had called out to God for, um, uh, we experienced various kinds of thoughts and feelings in those times of waiting, right? 
And I mention this because this is what David was experiencing. That he's, these are the things that David is writing about in this psalm. Considering that in the first two verses, he writes about crying out to God. But we also see him questioning why God was silent and why he had not answered him. And I've heard it said that in regards to prayer, um, um, that in regards to answered prayer specifically, that God's delays are not good God's denials, right? And clearly this was the lesson that was David was learning, and I think um, the underlying lesson that David was writing to us about. And in these verses, he shares his thoughts, he shares his feelings, and even his questions that came as a result of having to wait for God to answer him. And as we begin to look at these things, I want to point out that the desperation that we hear here, the anxiety and the worry that, that David is experiencing or that he initially felt, it must have been great considering that in these first verse verses, David expressed the fear of becoming like those who go down to the pit. Meaning from David's point of view, this was a life or death situation that he was calling out to God. And he had a real fear that if God didn't answer his prayer, then it would mean the end of his life. And so David writes about God being silent to answer his prayers in these first two verses. And David's desperation for God to answer is further described or is revealed as he describes his prayer in this passage as a cry to God. Two different times. Which literally means, when you look up in the, in the Hebrew language, to utter out a, a loud sound in a call for help. It's, it's what David's really saying is, is He's in such a place that his, it's to utter out a sound. He's not even articulating words. Like, ah! And, and I'm sure you've all been in that spot where your heart's been so heavy and so grieved and your mind's so overwhelmed in the situation. You're calling out to God and there's silence. There's not action on God's part on your behalf in that moment or in a time frame or in a way that you hope for. And so God in that moment is really saying, wait, wait patiently. But God, I'm going to die here if you don't answer. And sometimes it's just a cry, a sound before the Lord. Maybe it's tears. Maybe it's sobbing. Maybe it's in the state of this brokenness that brings forth only the expression of a heart that can't be articulated with words. And as David cries out for help, we see him then question himself. Guys, what have I done wrong? What am I doing wrong? Why is God not answering, right? David questions himself as he goes on. And even his method of prayer, if you look, as he spoke about having cried out to God with his hands lifted to his holy sanctuary, meaning, meaning towards the holy of holies. In, in light of this, we see that David thought that, that David was wondering if the, if the reason for God's silence had something to do with what he had done or what he had not done. But when he reflected on what he had prayed and how he had prayed, he said it was done. Ultimately, what he's putting forth here is that it was done in humble submission. It's not me. And that's, that's the first place to start. If God's not answering our prayers, the Bible tells us we need to check our own lives, check our own hearts. As a matter of fact, there's a specific warning to men that says, man, stuff ain't right with your wives. God ain't going to answer your prayers. You're going to fall to the ground. 
And there are other things that God talks about in regards to unanswered prayer. And so it's worth checking. It's worth checking your heart when there's a time of silence. And sadly, all of those misplaced thoughts and feelings that came as a result of David having to wait on God's answer, it initially caused him, according to verses 3 through 5, and you can follow around there what we, what we, already, what we already read through, but David says, don't number me with these people. And what David was saying in one sense is that, that, that these unanswered prayers of God made him to, to feel like he was a criminal, like, like he was being dragged away with the wicked and being executed with those or like those who had evil in their hearts. But as David contemplated God's silence, we see that David reasoned with his heart, he reasoned with his mind, and say it at the end of verse 3 that he made a, a distinction. They are hypocrites. And David, David wasn't ever claiming to be sinless or perfect in all of this. He's just working it out with God. And that's part of, part of that, that, that waiting patiently in prayer is, is continuing to go to God. Continuing to go to God. Having God examine you. Looking at your motives. He said these were the ones, he said in verse 5, who do not regard the works or the ways of God. So David called upon God in verse 4. Basically, he said, let them reap what they've sown. And this was the thrust of his prayer request, right? Lord, let them reap what they've sown. And this is also important to point out because David's prayer was not this expression of some personal revenge. Lord, look what they've done to me. Get them. God says, just look at who they are and let them reap of what they've sown. God, you look and you see fit. It wasn't a personal expression of revenge. It was a call for God to fulfill his covenant and bring forth his righteousness, his justice, and his peace. And it's okay to call upon the righteous God, the just God, who brings peace to enact that in our lives. And when it comes to prayer and God's apparent delay at times in answering, we too can go to these same kinds of places, I think, that David went with his own thoughts and feelings. And we too can think and feel that if God does not answer our prayers, then all will be lost. Or think and feel that God hasn't answered our prayers because we have not done things, done the right things in regards to prayer. We can drift from the place of faith. Do you hear that? We can drift from the place of faith that first moved us to cry out to God, right? You're the one I'm coming to, and move us to the place to fear, and move us to the place of doubt because we don't exercise patience with our prayers. And remember that, that we see, that what we see as a delay on God's part is really, guys, God's, God working things together in his perfect timing for our lives. Remember what Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9 says. God says this. Think about this in prayer and waiting patiently and knowing that God is doing a work even though we may not see it. He says, he says listen, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts 
than your thoughts. And truthfully, guys, that's a comforting thing. And that does equip me when I exercise faith in what God has revealed to me about himself and who he is to me. It gives me It gives me the strength that encourages my heart to wait patiently on the Lord. I see it this way. I think it should be done this way. But I know that God sees it differently because he sees it better than I do. I know that God's thinking about it differently because he thinks about it better than I do. The other thing that we must do is we patiently wait upon God's perfect timing is we got to keep our eyes on God. we got to remember his nature, who he is, what he's like. You see, David started, started out doing this at the beginning of this psalm, right? He started off in the right place. When he refers to the Lord as his rock, Lord, my rock. And in an act of faith, listen, in an act of faith, David gave God the title that he longed for God to fulfill. To be his rock in this present season of difficulty. And God has revealed himself throughout Scripture and individually and personally in many different ways. One God, but he manifests himself as the healer, as the provider, as the protector. In so many other ways that we know God to be in those times like, Lord, I need this. You say you are this. And we too, we call out for God in a way that we long for him to fulfill a need in our life. And for David, it was to be his rock in this present season of difficulty, probably at a time when everything seemed to be out of control and moving around him without him being able to do anything while his life was in danger, while he felt threatened. And Lord, I need a, I need a strong, safe place to stand. I need you to be my fortress and my defense. Please fulfill this in my life. And yet David quickly lost sight of this. And in doing so, he focuses, his, his focus shifted off the Lord and onto his circumstances and onto himself. And that's a, that's a devastating act when it comes to being able to patiently wait on the Lord. And when we do this, we should expect every time, guys, fear, doubt, hopelessness, and despair to fill our hearts and minds just like it, it did for David here. But if we keep focused on what we know to be true about God. And where does that come from? It comes from this book right here, the Bible, the Word of God, but it also comes from our past experiences. It comes from friends who come alongside us in those times and encourage us and go, remember who God is. Remember what He is like. Knowing what we, what we know to be true about God. And when we do that, when we stay focused on that, everything on the inside will change. Do you hear I said? Everything on the inside will change, even if our circumstances on the outside don't immediately change. And this is what we read David eventually doing in the remaining verses, and the scene in these remaining verses that's depicted in these verses, the scene dramatically changes as David is now like singing instead of sobbing. And you go, what the heck happened? And in verses 6, he goes on, right? And he picks that up in verse 6, and he said, blessed be the Lord. Why? Because he's heard the voice of my supplications. And the Lord is my strength and my shield, and my heart trusted in him, and I am helped. 
And the important thing for him to notice is there's no indication in this abrupt transition that David's circumstances had changed. That's what I want you to know. There's an inward change, but there's no evidence by what David writes to us here that there was some kind of circumstantial change in his life in this situation. Rather, what changed for sure, what we know is the scene in verse 7 where David says this, my heart. There's a heart change now. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. And the bottom line is Jehovah, which is the Hebrew word used here for the word Lord, right? At the beginning of verse 6, or, it is the one who made all the difference. What was the difference? The Lord was the difference. Jehovah was the difference. And when David first spoke of God back in verse 1 saying, the Lord is my rock, he also used the same Hebrew word for the name of God, Jehovah. And the thing to remember for us is that what's significant about that is that the name Jehovah is the covenant name that the Hebrew people use for God. And by using this name, David was intentionally remembering the promises that God had made to his people. In short, the name Jehovah spoke of God's faithfulness. God, I remember that you're faithful. I remember that you're a promise maker. I remember that you're a promise keeper. I spoke of God's faithfulness to David and to the children of Israel and to the proven and promised faithfulness of God. And this is what David was turning to. This is what his heart was now trusting in, guys. And the bottom line is that God had not changed. Right? Before David started his prayer, before David's need came about, God was the same. When, when David cried out to God in prayer, it was the same God. In the midst of the delay or the waiting, God was the same God. No matter what David's circumstances were, it was the same God. God had not changed. What changed was David as he exercised his faith. And faith is what's needed in order to exercise patience in our prayer lives. And I use that word specifically like the Apostle Paul does because that word exercise gives us visual imagery of what that's like. In order to build patience, we got to work it out. We have to be given the opportunity to do so. Exercising patience so that it produces fruit in our lives. That there's a result that's born forth. So that there's a strengthening that takes place. And faith in God always makes the difference, not only because it gets our focus in the right place, but because Scripture teaches us that faith does this. The Bible says faith moves the hand of God. Faith moves the hand in God, and God is the one who is in control of the whole universe. Our lives, our circumstances, God's in control. Another thing that, that faith changes in us and for us and for David, when he exercised faith in his prayer life is this, is, is that his doubts surrounding God's silence, our doubts in those moments surrounding God's silence, David's doubts in those moments surrounding God's silence was replaced with assurance. I love that. Assurance that God, according to verse 6, had heard the voice of his requests. My heart trusts in you. You have heard me. You've heard me. And the reason for this is due to the fact that faith, like we're told in Hebrews chapter 11, right? 
Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It is the substance of things not seen. And we're called to live this life that, that the Lord has purchased for us, to live and walk by faith and not by sight. In short, our faith, in part, in part is the, it's the historical record of all the things that God has done for us. All the things that God had done for us. And, and, and it's these memories, I believe, that, that propel us forward to trust in God in the moments that we're in now and what we're facing in the future. And when this happens, we once again find reason to rejoice. When this happens, when we have that assurance, we once again find the reason to give praise to God even as we patiently wait on Him. And this is exactly what we read of David doing at the end of verse 7. Look when he said, I trusted in God and I know that I am helped so my heart greatly rejoices and I will sing praises to my God. And at the end of the psalm, David goes, the Lord is their strength. He brings the nation into the picture, his people into the picture. And maybe this situation had something to do with more than just him. Maybe it was a threat to the whole nation. At the very least, we know that David was the king of Israel and that his concern was for God's people as a shepherd. And so he says, the Lord is their strength. And he is the saving refuge of his anointed people. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and bear them up forever. And in these last two verses, David closes the psalm like he had done with the other psalms by encouraging others. Listen, because he's really, this is, the psalms were also, many of the psalms were also given for congregational worship after David had written them at the temple and then later in the tabernacle. And so in one sense, we see that David, he's taking, he's taking what he had learned from the Lord and sharing it with others, and he's encouraging them. And we're called to do that. We encourage others with the same encouragement that we've received from the Lord. And David was the king. He was the God's appointed leader of the nation. And ultimately, if David could trust in the promises of God, if David could be confident that God would help him in his time of need, so could God's people. And David, a king who had the heart of the shepherd, desired his people to know. He desired his people to know and be strengthened by the testimony of his word. As fathers, we get to do that with our children. As husbands, we get to do that for our wives. As co-workers or maybe business owners or, 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 or leaders in the community, we get to do that for those who are around us. We, we don't get to. We, we have to. It is a get, but we have to. We have to do that for others around us. Guys, even more so as we see the days, Lord, they have the Lord drawing near. People are confused they're fearful. They're living with anxiety and no hope. And maybe they, for the first time ever in their life, are really crying out to God, and they need someone to encourage them, to come alongside them, to share how God has answered you, to share how you patiently waited on the Lord, and how he can, we can trust on Him in a time of need. And so, so could God's people. Likewise, for us, when we consider the words of David and the lessons of David, I pray that we are strengthened as we patiently wait on the Lord. And like I said, when we began, remember there's a difference between waiting patiently or the difference between waiting and patiently waiting. And, 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 and as we wrap these things up this morning, I want to take a few minutes to briefly point out that when 
It appears as if God, listen, when it appears as if God is not answering our prayers because he's calling us to to patiently wait for the answer of the blessing that we desire, there are three things that we should remember. I want to really drive home some application. Three things, if you're taking notes, to remember. Number one, if if the seed has been planted and it needs time to grow, God is telling you to patiently wait for his blessing. Who here planted some flowers or some vegetables or, you know, I, I do tomatoes and peppers, that's about it. And I really struggle to even get any fruit off of them. But I like t- tomatoes and peppers and I make salsa and, and these kinds of things. And I, I, I want to put the seed in the ground and then I want the fruit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that it takes. Oh, we planted a peach tree last year. Got it from Tommy Seifert. Thank you, Tommy. It still hasn't produced a peach, Tommy. <laughs> it's been a year. That, I don't understand. <laughs> Guys, if the seed has been planted and it needs time to grow, right? We know that logically. Understand this. God is telling you to patiently wait for his blessing. Remember, there are seasons in life where God expects us to take proactive steps forward towards the desires that he's placed on our hearts. For example, if you want to graduate with a degree, you've got to show up to class. You have to study. You have to make proactive steps in order to achieve this goal. If you want to meet the one that God has, had, that has for you one day, singles, you have to actually meet other Christian singles because it's impossible to form a connection with someone if, it's, if you're just by yourself. <laughs> if you want a job, you have to apply for open positions, but eventually you will take all the steps that you will need to take and there will come a time when you need to patiently wait. The Bible compares this process to planting a seed and we all know that it takes time for a seed to grow and to reap a harvest. James chapter 5, verses 7-8 through begins with this as it speaks about it. Be patient, therefore, Brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So if you've not yet gone through the planting process, don't expect to go through the harvest season Don't wait around for something to grow if you haven't put any seed in the ground. Patiently waiting for a harvest is only advice for those who have already faithfully planted through proactively following the Lord. But in in, in between the sowing and the reaping, there is a time of patiently waiting. Of patiently waiting. Number two. I'd like to skip this one. If you found yourself in the tribulation that comes before the triumph, God is calling you to keep waiting patiently for the unveiling of his victory. Biblical hope. 
And I, clar- I clarify that because there's, there's a worldly hope and then there's a biblical hope, a hope that the Bible speaks about. And biblical hope is this, it's the eager expectation for God's goodness in our future. I love that. Eagerly, it's an eager expectation for God's goodness in our future. Hope is always future-based. And the reason we're told so many times in the Bible to have hope is because of this. Because God's blessings are often given through a process in our lives. God's blessings are often given through a process, much like, I would say, a good storyline of a movie in that every good story presents a huge problem before the revelation of the solution, right? Before the hero comes into the scene. And this is what we read about in Romans 12, 12, which says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Looking forward with hope. But the temptation, as you guys know, when it comes to waiting and patience, the temptation is to lose hope along the journey. When is the hero going to come? And when we turn from God because of the trial, you know what? We miss the treasure that God has planned for us at the end of the story that he is writing. Notice what Isaiah 40 says in verses 27 through 31. It says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, okay, to God? God's saying, Why do you say this, right? Why do you say this, Jacob? Why do you say this, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. And my right is disregarded by my God. Lord, you don't see. You don't know. Your promises. Right? And then God says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall, young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength and shall mount up with the wings like eagle, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. The temptation will be to say, my way is hidden from the Lord. The temptation will, will be to say, my, my way is hidden from the Lord. But we have to remember the truth that the Lord, our God, who loves us, is an everlasting God. Which means He sees the end while we are still in the beginning of the journey. God's outside of time. He's outside of space. And while we are traveling in this linear progression forward, linear possession forward, God sees the whole picture right now. Therefore, He expects us to wait for Him so he can renew our strength. So if you want to experience the triumph that God has planned for you, you have to wait patiently for his deliverance through 
the tribulation. If the worship team wants to come up, we'll end with this. Number three. If, if prayer, number three, if prayer is the only action you can still take, God is calling you to wait patiently as you remain in his presence. If prayer is the only action you can still take, God is calling you to wait patiently as you remain in his presence. Remember, Patiently waiting is impossible without faithfully praying. It's circular. But it keeps us in the place where we're supposed to be. See, we want to run this way. We want to run that way. We want to run ahead. But God says, no, you stay right here. You stay right, right here. Patiently waiting is impossible without faithfully praying. In Psalms 37, verse 7, it says this, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And it's kind of like God saying, you sit right here. But God, uh, uh, uh. You sit right here. But God, uh. Right here. And we, we can't wait patiently if we're, if we're not also before the Lord in prayer. But without the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, guys, we will not produce the fruit of the Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we're told that, the, that patience is the fruit of the Spirit. And so we're in the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit's indwelling us, and we're sitting there, God's strengthening us, right? Mounting us up, He's given us even the patience that we need. He even gives us that as a gift that we need as we're waiting on Him. But it's where we're at. It's again, it's a relationship. And the point is, is that our actions must be bathed in prayer, but so must our, so must our waiting, because without prayer, our waiting will be filled with anxiety. It will be filled with frustration. And so even when there may be no physical action to take, we will, excuse me, no physical action to take while we wait. We must pray in faith for strength to wait and, and with, with faith and to wait with faith and, patience, faith and patience. For it's through faith and it's through patience, the Bible tells us, that we receive the promises of God. Father, and we wait on you. We're all in different places and we're going through similar things because of the world that we live in, but different things as well. And, and you know. And so I pray, God, that you would increase our faith this morning. The faith to patiently wait on you, Lord. Number one is we wait for your return, the promise of your return. And Lord, as we wait for you to continue to move in our lives like we read last week, where we would see you, Lord, your hand working in the land of the living in our lives. Lord, help us to trust in you. Renew our heart, renew our mind today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.